Hey, you're listening to Cut for Time, a podcast from Faith Church located on the north side of Indianapolis. My name is Claire Kingsley. Each week, I'll sit down with one of our preaching pastors to discuss their Sunday sermon. Cut for Time is a look behind the scenes of sermon preparation, and they'll share with us a few things that we didn't hear from the sermon on Sunday. Thanks for listening. Hey, Jeff. Welcome to Cut for Time. How's it going? Good. How are you? Um, great. I'm so thankful for a sunny, nice day today. Oh, I know. Is it really spring yet? Or or is this like second fall spring and we're going to have more freezing weather? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I don't know, but I'm enjoying today. So yeah, um, that's right. That seems very biblical. Yeah, right. <laughs> don't worry about um, tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I already know what the weather's going to do tomorrow, but that's why I'm enjoying today. <laughs> um, well, anyways, Jeff, why don't you give us a quick recap from your sermon on Sunday? It was Palm Sunday. And yes. so uh, the passage reflected uh, Palm Sunday, the first day of Holy Week. So why don't you tell us what we learned from your sermon? Well, that's a question in itself. What what the passage is about and what I was trying to do is is something else maybe. Yeah, so the Matthew chapter 21, and it's uh, what we commonly call the triumphal entry or Palm Sunday. It's this uh, uh, Matthew recounting Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. So Jesus has said, uh, you know, I'm going to Jerusalem to suffer and die. And, you know, Peter, of course, jumps up a couple of chapters back. No, that's not going to happen to you. And Jesus says, you don't understand what I'm about and what God's doing here. And, and that's kind of what happens in this entry, right? Jesus is now making his claim to be the Messiah more public. He's, he's heading into Jerusalem, the center of religious and military and political and economic power. And the, there's this great crowd of people that have been following with him. John tells us this was just after he had raised Lazarus from the dead. And there's crowds of people following him and, and he's been performing other miracles. And so mm-hmm. there's the disciples, there's all these people seeing Jesus do these amazing things. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and they're kind of lining the road as Jesus comes into Jerusalem, uh, crying out Hosanna to the son of David and throwing cloaks on the ground before him and waving palm branches, which were kind of a, almost a patriotic symbol of, uh, you know, kind of nationalist uh, aspirations for freedom and deliverance. Uh, and, and Jesus gets this kind of flag-waving hero's welcome. And uh, the next, the very next thing he does, though, is he doesn't go to the Roman fortress and, and take on the Romans. He goes to the temple. And in what we, again, often call the cleansing of the temple, he overturns the money changer tables, and he, and he drives out the people who are buying and selling there. And, and, he, and, he's, and again, Matthew is saying, in fulfillment of the prophecy um, that um, Jesus calling out, my house shall be a house of prayer, quoting Isaiah, but, but you've turned it into a den of robbers, quoting Jeremiah. And, and so he's asserting authority over the temple. He's asserting authority over the worship of the temple. Uh, kind of in fulfillment of what he'd said earlier, that one greater than the temple is here. And then the very next thing he does is heal blind and lame people that are brought to him. And it just brings, Matthew's bringing together all these images of, I think, highlighting the fact that we maybe tend to 
like the crowds, like the Pharisees, like the Zealots, we, we maybe misunderstand who Jesus is and, and what he's about. We maybe tend to give him an agenda that is ours more than his, or give him an identity that we want him to have, or give him priorities that look more like ours than his. And Jesus is showing us uh, what his kingship looks like and what life in his kingdom is like, because he's not mm -hmm. coming into town on a war horse to, to drive out the bad guys, to take over the political system. He's not, uh, he's not lining up with the religious leaders, uh, you know, in condemning people for, you know, not being more righteous and, and giving people more rules to follow. Uh, he's not lining up with the economic interests. He's, he's saying his priorities are coming to rescue and change us. His priorities are about recognizing the, the broken and the helpless and the needy people that we tend to overlook. And his kingdom is about bringing peace and life through self-sacrifice, not through power grabbing and domination. And, and that's, all of that comes together into how the, the cries of Hosanna on Sunday and, you know, praise to the son of David become shouts of crucify him on Friday because Jesus doesn't meet the expectations that we sometimes set for him. And, and then we can become disappointed and frustrated. And Matthew's inviting us to see Jesus for who he is. He's the humble king who's come to save us and change us, not through power grabbing, domination, or asserting his rights. Uh, but he's inviting us into a life that's shaped by taking up our cross and denying ourselves uh, because in Jesus' kingdom, the first shall be last and the last shall be first and the, the servant shall be the greatest of all. That's great. Thanks, Jeff, for doing that. Um, so is there anything that you needed to cut, you know, from your sermon for the sake of time? Oh, yeah, there, you know, there always is. You know, there's, there's some interesting things going on here. Um, back in Matthew 2, you may remember when the, the wise men come to Herod's palace saying, uh, where is the one born king of the Jews? And, and Matthew says that the whole city is stirred up. And, and there's really almost kind of a parallel to that when Jesus enters Jerusalem and the whole city is stirred up. In, in fact, Matthew uses this Greek word uh, that, that is the basis for our English word around seismology. It's, it's this sense of shaking and, and things being moved around and, and uh, upset in a sense. And Matthew uses that terminology around Jesus' entry and, and his crucifixion and his resurrection. And, and it's God is literally shaking things up and changing the landscape in a sense through, through what Jesus is doing. Um, the, the, other, the other thing that's going on in this entry, of course, is as the crowds are like crying out, Hosanna to the son of David, Hosanna in the highest, that, how is that gonna, not going to be a threat to the Roman authorities, right? Like mm -hmm. they're very careful to watch for any possible uprising or riots. And uh, you know, on the cross, then Jesus is going to be mocked sarcastically as the king of the Jews, which, you know, Pilate, the Roman governor, puts over his head. And the crowds are going to again stand 
off to the side saying, well, he saved others, but he can't save himself. If he's the, if he's the chosen of God, let him come down from the cross and save himself. And, and there's all this I, these levels of irony going on. Like the Romans feel threatened by Jesus' entry in the crowds, even though he's not coming to challenge them in the way they're thinking. And, and the religious leaders and the scoffers are there mocking him as, you know, king, even though he really is the king. And, and the people were right to cry out to him as the son of David who will rule. And just nobody gets the kind of king he is and, and the kind of authority he's going to exercise. And, and out of this fear and self-protection and misunderstanding, they, you know, the people become, feel threatened and think they have to get rid of him because he's a threat, because he is a threat in a sense to, you know, sort of the, the way the world normally works, mm -hmm. but not, not the way they're thinking. So Jeff, uh, like how did their perception of who God would send as his mm -hmm. son to redeem, how did that get so twisted into being something that, or someone that they were anticipating that wasn't Jesus? And then mm -hmm. how does that connect to, like how do our perceptions get twisted about huh. who he is? Mm -hmm. um, because certainly um, these these Jews, they knew the Old Testament and they knew what was um, going to be fulfilled someday. And so where, like what parts did they read and not understand or did they misinterpret? And is that how we also develop our own misconceptions or mm. is it through experience? Because, um, you know, I can imagine like in my own life in a certain circumstance, um, I might perceive Jesus a certain way because I'm struggling and um, or I'm rejoicing or whatever. And that in that lens, I can sometimes misunderstand who God is. Mm. So how did this how did it become twisted for them and how does it become twisted for us? Wow, that's the, those are great questions. That's almost a whole podcast or a deep dive on its own. Uh, let me see if I can do the, this uh, in, <laughs> in, in the time that we want to give, ask people to give to us here. Um, so the, the people weren't wrong in one sense about what they were expecting. I think it was more that they were just expecting it all to happen at once because the, the prophecies about the Messiah, the anointed one, certainly include the mm -hmm. restoration of Israel and the judging of sin and evil and God's enemies will be put down and God's right. people will be rescued. But they also, uh, even to this day, I think still really struggled. Uh, the, the, you know, we would say people who read the Torah or look at the old Testament still struggle to think, figure out who's this suffering servant that Isaiah is talking about and how does that fit in? Does that even connect with the idea of the Messiah? And, and so there was sort of this gray area, this un, lack of clarity around who is this suffering servant and how does he fit in with the, the victorious Messiah? So there was a lot of expectation and longing around the coming of the victorious Messiah, but a lot of uncertainty and lack of clarity around this suffering servant. And, and how does that fit in? Because how do you even put together a person who who could be both a suffering servant and a victorious messiah and, so and did a, they think that they might hero. be separate people or yes, could they yeah. not reconcile that it was one person 
it, yeah, maybe it's separate people. Um, it maybe the suffering servant is Israel itself, that, that the people of God are more the suffering servant. Um, does the suffering servant prepare the way for the Messiah? Um, so, you know, Isaiah and Jeremiah and others who are looking off in the distance and, and seeing uh, all these things that God has revealed to them and that they're communicating, I, I think we could see, we can now see that there's, all those things are true of Jesus, but the, they're not all being fulfilled and accomplished at the same time. And, and in the way that God's people were expecting. And, and as Paul points out in Romans, it's not as though God has not made it available and understandable to his people, because many of the Jews obviously did become followers of Jesus. And, and they were able to see, oh, yes, I can see how he's done this and how this all fits together in Jesus. And, and that's the amazing good news of the gospel. The, the challenging part, I think, for them and, and maybe for us, too, is that um, Jesus' kingdom is present here in, in a real way, but not in the full way that it will be eventually. And, and that can be hard for us to figure out, well, then how does it interact with this world that we're currently living in? And, and the, the call to live in and reflect that kingdom here and now, while we know that it's also still future and, and is not going to be brought about in its fullness until Jesus comes again. So there's, there's almost sort of a, an extended gap in a sense, uh, a, a lengthening of the fulfillment of all of those things. So they're not all happening at once. They're all happening in Jesus, but they're not all happening at the same time that uh, Jesus coming to bring about the reality of the kingdom has been inaugurated, but it's not been fulfilled. It's not come in its ultimate expression. So that wherever now that the kingdom of God currently is, wherever Jesus is ruling and reigning, wherever God's people are reflecting and living out the kingdom realities that, that Jesus has brought into this world, through his death and resurrection and, and his rule in his people. And that will be the ultimate reality in a new heavens and a new earth. And so even for us, that's challenging, right? Like we can overemphasize potentially the, the future reality of sin conquered and enemies destroyed and evil banished, uh, and maybe in our own expectations, right? Like, don't we all sort of struggle with the, the sense that, you know, why is following Jesus so hard? Shouldn't things, shouldn't life be less hard than it is if God mm -hmm. loves us and we're part of his kingdom? Mm -hmm. And yes, it will be one day. Uh, and, and, and so that's not a wrong that's not a wrong motive or expectation, but it's also still in a sense kind of going back a little to what those people were anticipating and expecting like, yeah, the Messiah's here. That means the good days are now, right? Like it's going to be the good old days forever. And that's what we're made for. And that's why we long for it. And yet sometimes our, you know, our expectations, our desires run ahead of God's timing and, and the reality that he's, 
bringing about his kingdom in us and through us, not by destroying all evil now and mm -hmm. judging all evildoers, but by calling us into the same pattern of Jesus laying down his rights to himself and uh, in order to be the self-sacrificing servant for the good of others. Mm -hmm. And and we love it when we're the recipients of that, right? Uh, you know, it's also more challenging when we come across Jesus saying, and that's the pattern I've set for you and for everyone in my kingdom, that you actually find your life by losing it. You're actually blessed when you're persecuted for righteousness sake. Rejoice and be glad, right? Like, no, I, the kingdom's supposed to be about victory and peace and success and happiness and fulfillment and jesus that you know after easter in fact we're going to be going into a, a lengthy series looking at the sermon on the mount and what the kingdom looks like and what the values of the kingdom are and who the people are that are really blessed and it's not what this world values and it's not what our flesh is often longing for mm -hmm. yep I appreciate so yeah, that. I think I think we can we can apply the same kind of misunderstandings about Jesus' identity and his agenda and agenda and his priorities, uh, just like these people do. And and we're definitely going to see that get pulled out and uh, explored in our series in the Sermon on the Mount coming up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely challenging all the things that we thought might be true, and yeah, just turns it all upside down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I guess it's kind of seems like to be continued, you know, or yeah, in a sense, we'll right? Add on um, more, yeah. Yeah. So you, we've jumped ahead in this in Matthew's story a bit because at this point in the gospel, Jesus has, of course, already declared what his kingdom looks like and inviting people into it, and and you know now we're looking ahead to Good Friday and Easter, and the, the work that Jesus is going to do to really bring that about. Uh, mm -hmm. But now we're going to go back over the rest of spring and summer to look at the, the foundations for this life in Jesus' kingdom. Mm -hmm. So um, this week for Holy Week, Jeff, you mentioned, you know, um, Palm Sunday, Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Um, what does like Holy Week um, look like for you or mean to you? And do you do anything, any different habits or patterns during this week to reflect on um, the sacrifice uh, that Jesus made or um, yeah, just, and then would you also be willing to close us in prayer and pray over this week, pray over um, the impact this week can have on our relationship with Christ, our walk with the Lord mm -hmm. and our hearts um, really captivating us captivating us um by the sacrifice and the sorrow but and also the glory and majesty mm -hmm. of christ mm -hmm. uh yeah sure that <laughs> you you just i think led us into a great prayer right there claire um but yes uh so for me, I think one of the things that's really helpful is it's been encouraging is to go back and whether you go through John's gospel or Matthew's gospel or Luke's, um, maybe just go back and, and rereading uh, what Jesus is focusing on in this last week of his earthly ministry. Because if you think about it, this is like, this is everything he's been aiming his life towards, right? Like mm -hmm. he's, he's made that clear. 
Luke says Jesus set his face like flint. He set out resolutely towards Jerusalem. Um, Jesus said, this is why I came. So this, this is it. This is the highlight this is, uh, of everything that he's been incarnated and come into this world to do. And so just reading through one of the gospels, maybe day by day to what Jesus is doing, uh, the last supper with his disciples and washing their feet saying, I've given you an example. Boy, that, what a, what a reminder. Uh, and, and then going into uh, John 17 in, in the garden, Jesus kind of great prayer for us. Uh, that's a wonderful thing to be reminded of. Like we get an insight into what Jesus is praying for us as his people. Mm-hmm. We would see that we would understand that, that we would prioritize. Like this is Jesus' heart for us, what he's literally praying that God will do in our lives all that Jesus suffered and, and how that connects to his ultimate mission and what he's taken on, on our behalf. Um, and, and then of course, Sunday is, you know, the Easter is the best day of the year um, the, to be able to come together and worship, having reflected on and, and being both humbled and encouraged by Jesus sacrifice to now sing these amazing songs of victory, him winning death and hell and, and just rejoicing in that. It's just, it's the highlight. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, you know, reminding ourselves through the week and especially on Good Friday of what Jesus has done for us, for me, tends to make Easter even that more joyful and meaningful. Right. Yeah. Definitely. You need both. We need both. And to make Easter what it really is and to be able to really celebrate, we also need um, what came three days earlier, right? We need to spend time, just as much time reflecting on that. Yes, yes, way before. But, you know, I think we're touched by stories of, you know, the, the fireman who runs into the burning building to, to save an infant or, you know, an elderly person. But if that's a member of my family, I'm going to feel that in a much different way than just reading about it as a news story, right? Mm-hmm. Like when it becomes personal, when I see that this is about me, Uh, or people that are close to me that have been rescued from Mm -hmm. imminent danger and death, that really makes sacrifice that much more meaningful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How about if I close us in prayer? Yeah, that'd be great. Let's let's pray. Father, thank you so much for uh, this week, especially that we've entered into uh, as a reminder of who Jesus is and what he has come to do and what he has accomplished for all who trust in him. Father, we pray that as we go through this week, that it wouldn't just be another week for us, but that we would pay extra attention to what Jesus was focusing on, uh, what his priorities were, his prayers for us as his people, and all that he suffered and accomplished and won for us, just as you have promised. Thank you, Father, that you, Jesus, and the Spirit, together, one God, have been faithful to accomplish all that you promised and intended to save and rescue and heal us. Help us, Father, to see Jesus for who he is, uh, to be awed again and humbled uh, and, and all the more grateful for his faithfulness, his love, his sacrifice, his prayers for us, his endurance all the way through the agony of 
suffering and rejection and crucifixion to the victory of resurrection on Sunday morning. Oh God, we pray that this week and especially uh, gathering on Friday and on Sunday morning would uh, encourage and stir our hearts towards you to see even more the beauty, the goodness, the, the glory, the victory, the love of Jesus. And uh, we thank you. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Cut for Time. If you wish to submit questions to our pastors following their sermon, you can email them to podcast at faithliveitout.org or text them into our Faith Church texting number, and we'll do our best to cover it in the week's episode. If this conversation blessed you in any way, we encourage you to share it with others. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week.